This week Dan and Scott are talking tips and tricks with OneNote and Outlook, how to find out what's actually in an Office 365 plan, and options for building mobile experiences in SharePoint. It's a little bit better. Mm, Skype. Gotta love it. Yep. So on the mobile app, uh, for those that have been watching at home with eyes of wonder is Tiny Tots Aglow. Um, the OneNote app was updated on the 24th with quote-unquote default fault obligations. Mm, gotta but, love default fonts. <clears throat> What are no default font obligations? What the heck is an obligation? Uh, it means it's obligatory. Right. Okay. No, that, that, that didn't do it for you? No, I mean, I, I read default font obligations, and to me that means, like, I don't know, like, you've got... Uh, so typically when someone talks about obligations, it's like, Oh, I really wish I could do that, but I've got an obligation. Like, sorry, can't do it. Yeah, maybe default font preference would have been a little bit better to go with there, right? So you can now set a default font for a given note. I I wasn't clear if it was for a note, a whole notebook, just a page, a section, you know, whatever, because OneNote is kind of confusing that way. Yeah, it's not it's not quite clear in the what's new on the mobile app either. It just says you asked, we answered. Changing the default fonts is not now possible, and it's like okay, neat. <clears throat> so yeah, they also added a swipe left. Um, so for everyone that loved Left Shark, they've got swipe left. Ooh, yeah, latest notification. Not just your not uh, just not your type. Swipe left to banish it from your notification center. Finally. Um, then again, I don't think I've ever gotten a notification from OneNote. Maybe I turned those off. I didn't know they were possible. I'll have to ask Jeremy Fake. Is that like a document library alert or something like that? Somebody updated a page, made an made a update. Line 36, character 4 has been... You should test that out. Uh, you know what? They do have... Yep, check that out. Uh, they have something for get push notifications to receive alerts when other people make changes to shared notebooks. Oh yeah. Look at that. Isn't that nice? Great. And if you go into the joyous one note uh, app on your mobile device, it has notifications, recent notes and open more. So I guess, you know, uh, as you are going through and working through your day, uh, if someone makes a, a little change from, your joyous app, um, you too can get a nice little alert. Yeah, maybe that's for folks who use OneNote throughout their day. Uh, do you use OneNote for meeting minutes or things like that? You know, it has that nice integration with Outlook where you can go in and insert, you know, the meeting details with the attendees and what the agenda is and all that good stuff? Uh, I do. I, I use it like a hound. So a lot of folks, they... Uh, probably don't realize this little capability inside of Outlook where if you open up a calendar invite, there's a nice little button in there, at least in the PC version, that says uh, take notes or something like that. Um, 
So you can click that. It opens up OneNote. It drops in, you know, the information about the attendees that are supposed to be a part of that meeting, as well as uh, any of the items that are in the actual calendar invite. So it's super handy. Plus, it does linking back to the actual invite, uh, the appointment in your Outlook calendar, so that you know you've got that uh, correspondence or trail of evidence. But I use that all the time. Uh, that is like <laughs> that has saved my bacon more times than not. When uh, you know a client will come back and say. Hey, do you remember that meeting? And I'll say, uh, yeah, I do. And boom, I've got the notes right there in front of me. So it's super helpful to me, but I don't think it's actually there in the Outlook for Mac yet. I know that's one so of So it's pieces. not. So, th- so this has been killing me. So I use it a lot for, I, I tend not to use OneNote. Um, I pretty much abhor it as a product. Like it's just burned me so many times. And we've talked about this before. Uh, but I have started using it a little bit at work for things like this, um, and not even for private meeting notes, but more for shared meeting notes. Um, so we can actually all capture the meeting minutes and have everything together. And like you said, it's great. You go into Outlook and you click the little button and it automatically inserts stuff into the notebook and it puts uh, a link into the meeting request, just like it would for a Skype request or something like that, right? Click here to open the notebook or view it on the web and that's all great and that's all fine and dandy, except for when my PC had to go into the depot, and I said, "Oh, not a problem. I'll just bring my personal Mac in, or I'll, you know, I'll bring my personal device in, and I'll just work off my laptop here for a day or two while uh, this thing's getting shipped back to the manufacturer and getting fixed and all that." And of course, I, you know, had my regularly regularly scheduled weekly meeting and. I, opened up Outlook on my Mac and I said, okay, uh, I've got to go and change the specific occurrence. And I always like to update it and link it to that specific page, right? So let's go ahead and do that and be nice to everybody. And then the attendees, they have no excuse to say, "Mm, I I never saw this information. And lo and behold, the button is not there. And I thought, okay, well, the button's not in Outlook. So Uh, That button actually exists in two places on a PC. It's inside OneNote, like you can go ahead, there's actually from the Home tab, there's a thing that says go in and find meeting notes, and then you point it back to a meeting on your calendar and it figures it all out that way, or you come from Outlook, right? So I was like, well, it's not in Outlook, so I'll go over to OneNote and it'll be in there for sure because they've got this cross-platform thing down and no button, sad face Scott. Uh, And it was really bad and really horrible. And I had to update the whole thing by hand. It was not fun. Yeah. I, uh, it's probably my one use case for continuing to, uh, work out of a VM whenever I'm using my Mac, um, for specifically for that, just because it's such a pain to have to go in and, you know, figure out how to trigger that for that use case where it's a shared notebook, um, hosted up on a SharePoint site and SharePoint online and while I can get to that notebook through the web or I can get to it using OneNote app on my Mac, um, that little piece, though, for tracking attendance as well as uh, having <clears throat> information pulled directly from the invite is kind of a, I don't want to say it's a non-starter for me, but it's just such a pain. So now the caveat, Scott, is how do we get around that? How do we get Microsoft to change user voice? Ooh, user voice. They actually do have a user voice for this one that has zero traction. Really? But yeah. Yeah. That's kind of sad. Yeah, I because I was being Googling stuff, duck, duck going for it for a while. Um, and 
then I was the goose and I was out and uh, yeah, no, uh, they do have a user voice for it. Huh. Um, and it basically is just people complaining, but it doesn't actually have a lot of votes or, or things like that. Huh. Um, so Someday, you, you know, they'll have this Outlook OneNote thing down. Uh, I would almost prefer that the Office team or whoever does it never saw it so that they can go ahead and fix Link and get Skype for Business out for the Mac because that's probably the bigger pain point right now. So if you go into Outlook for Mac, and I agree, the Link piece totally, yeah, that needs to be fixed. Uh, Outlook for Mac, 787 votes. Yeah, but they still haven't implemented it. Yeah, we should put a link to that in the show notes so that people can go and vote even more, and then it'll have seven hundred and eighty-nine votes. So it's it's actually the number three item, and it is under review. Uh, probably the sad thing is that the items above it, it's the same item. Like, well, it's not the same item; it's two items. It's support for Gmail, iCloud, CardDAV, and CalDAV. Which, <laughs> admittedly, I would be kind of ticked about too, and hope that Microsoft would uh, crumble underneath the weight of those two. But is what it is, I guess, right? Yeah, uh, I must be looking at a different one than you are. The one I'm looking at has 742 votes for integrated one <coughs> Outlook with OneNote. Yeah, Mac Outlook integration tasks meeting minutes export to OneNote. Uh, I think, yeah, you're probably looking at the overarching Outlook backlog, maybe? Mm, I am looking at the OneNote user voice. Uh, see, I'm looking at the Outlook for Mac user voice. Uh, see, well, my link's better, so we'll go with that. <laughs> unless you put yours in there. Uh, so basically what that tells us is there's two spots you can go vote to get this, uh, Increased, I guess, right? Yep. I'm just going to go click this button right now. Vote. Oh, it's going to make me sign in. Dang it. Yeah, I know. So you're going to have to open up, uh, you're going to have to open up one password, pull out your password and yeah, it's a pain. Um, speaking of one password, uh, have you looked at the, and I know you're probably like, Dan, no, I'm going to go with the lowest common denominator and the lowest amount of money to pay. Because uh, I just I know how you are very frugal in that manner. Um, <clears throat> but have you looked at the uh, the families offering for uh, one password? Uh, I have, and uh, for my family, it doesn't actually offer too much. So it, it'd be nice to have the web portal and things like that. But as it stands right now, uh, you know they've had this capability within the apps for a while, right? To be able to do the shared vaults and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the way we do it, uh, at least within my house is, uh, everybody has their own primary vault, uh, right. With the things that are just important to that person. Uh, and you know, we, we share the passwords and things like that in case, you know, one of us goes down in a flaming ball of whatever, um, you know, meteors or the worlds. Yeah. Yeah. Those things. Um, and then we use the shared vault for all the shared stuff. And that just sits out in Dropbox, but it's automatically updated in the apps and everything else. Uh, and with one password anywhere, you can still get to it on the web. So there's not too much that's compelling in there. Hmm. Okay. So I guess for me, um, I had uh, tinkered around using the one password for Teams while it's still in beta. Um, 
didn't find a whole lot of value in it, mostly because the Windows desktop app uh, doesn't support it. Uh, whereas the Windows modern app or universal app uh, does support it and does have connectivity to it with a caveat that you can't actually add anything from uh so it basically if you add a new uh, card so to speak you know for a password or a account or something uh it doesn't actually sync back <laughs> whoops <clears throat> so apparently that's one of the uh, backlog items that they're currently working on um but for the most part looking at one password uh i guess the family piece of it to me um, especially when I'm at work or I don't have my device with me, uh, that mobile view is a lot more compelling than having to log into Dropbox, you know, figure out uh, where my <coughs> Google Authenticator app is or Authy in this case um, to then go and get to my cloud hosted uh, resource of my vault. So I, I'm going to give it a try. Uh, so I signed up. Um, they don't actually have a way to <coughs> put in your credit card yet to pay for it. Yeah, that's because it's free right now until they um, release it out of beta. Yeah, so I'm I'm tinkering with it. I like it for the most part, but uh, more to come. Yeah, I you know I figure uh, for the stuff that I have, uh, you know, I can deal with that little bit of friction because by the time you buy um, some of these apps, so whether it's One Password or you do LastPass or Dashlane or any of those things, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you, you've got a bit of an investment in there across all the devices it goes on. And um, so between, you know, one password for Mac and one password for Windows uh, and for iOS, uh, plus the pro features and everything, you figure, you know, that's, um, it's it's what, like 50 bucks for the desktop apps? Um, so, you know, there there's a hundred bucks. And then, um, you know, I've probably spent uh probably at least that on the mobile apps over the years. So I've already got like 200 into it. Um, so, I, I mean, obviously I'm committed to it and everything else, but uh, I figure I might as well get whatever I've got in uh, into it already out of it before I go and start putting, uh, you know, another $5 a month into it, um, especially when you'll play around with it for me and break it and tell me all the things that are wrong with it. Uh, I will tell you and our listening audience of John Backtool and Tim Farrow. Yay. And uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so back to the things that the people want. Yeah. What are those things? Uh, apparently people want, uh, outlook.com to actually be true up outlook like it is for office 365. Mm, well, it turns out that that's a thing that's happening, right? What? That's a thing now. That, that is a thing, right? We've got add-ins and all that fun stuff for consumer outlook. Oh, huh. So when I go to my live account, yeah, it still looks like live. It's not. It's not Outlook yet. It's sad. Oh, you haven't been upgraded. No, I. You know I. Oh, wait. When you go to live. dot com, like it seriously doesn't look like Outlook. We, you don't get like a waffle and all that stuff. Uh, I get the. I have the cute little app launcher. Um, yeah. And it says Outlook. dot com, and it has a new button. Yep. And then it just uh, has, you know, it's the old Outlook.com interface still. Mm, what do you mean the old interface? I'm confused. So, okay, yeah. So for so those I, I I mean, this looks just like Outlook, you, you know, uh, 
for Office 365 for OWA, right? Click on a message and you get uh, all the stuff up in the bar at the top. Reply, delete, archive, junk, sweep, all that, all that good stuff. Uh, so let's see. Okay, so basically, um, recently I guess Microsoft launched or they are pushing out the update for Outlook so that it runs on. Uh, the Office 365 backend and gives the same user interface basically that you would have for if you were a subscriber of Office 365 Exchange Online. Um, mm, I don't know that that's what they said. They said they were bringing um, uh, add-ins and things like that over, right? So look and feel and everything else. Uh, 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 runs on the same backend and looks the same. Uh, those were Those were two different things, right? So if you look at, uh, yeah, so if you look at, excuse me, if we look back at the uh, February 17th post uh, from the Office blog team, uh, I cannot see any of this stuff because you're not putting the links out there for me, Dan. Oh, man. I'm I'm doing a bad job. All right. So uh, help help me out a little bit here. out of preview. You, you, you're, you're, you're killing me. So so there's sections in the notes, right? It says in order, and then there's just a big jumble of links down at the bottom, and then you're throwing all your stuff into this big jumble of links at the bottom. That's why I'm not yep. reading them. So oh, go ahead okay. and put them up at the top there in order the right way. Yes, and then sir. I can build out all the other stuff the right way. Whew. This is like managing a project. It's hard. It is. It is. Um, I'm going to screw things up a little bit more, but... Uh, <clears throat> well, we'll get to that in a second. I'll just wait. Um, I'll play some Jeopardy music or something. Nice, nice. There we go. Look at that. Ooh, so close. You're getting there. Better, better. All right, so Outlook out of preview and better than ever. Yep. If you scroll down to the section that says Wonder List. Uh, you will see the Outlook Mail. Um, my understanding is that the Outlook Mail for any Outlook user will start looking like this, not just the Outlook users that are Office 365 Outlook users. Yeah, okay. Maybe I'm completely wrong, but that was my understanding, so we're going to have it all look like that. Mm, I mean, I would say what's there today is pretty darn close to that. True. No, no, no. I mean, the icons, the uh, stuff around the top definitely looks very close. Just for jollies, I'm going to go sign up for a new account and see what it looks like. Mm, all right. Do that on your own time. Okay, fine. Uh, so, yeah. So, we're going to be seeing a couple more changes coming to Outlook.com. Um, <clears throat> I think uh, the thing to be mindful of is that uh, probably will not be hitting your account for a little while because there's millions of millions of accounts out there for outlook.com. Um, so coming soon to a tenant near you or outlook.com account near you. Uh, one of the neat things that I think, uh, that, uh, person on Z <coughs> ZDNet or Z day net, whatever you want to call it. Um, they had posted something up about the, custom URLs. So I guess that was something they've been phasing out of Outlook.com over the past year or two. Um, apparently that might be coming back according to that ZDNet article by uh, MJ. 
Yeah, no, that's not custom URLs, right? That's uh, you're bringing your own DNS for for your aliases. Yeah, yeah. So so they used to have that at one time, and then they took it away, and now it's coming back. So you know, they they've still always kept that option to upgrade to an ad free Outlook. So you know, if you go into your live account, your settings, and things like that, you can always uh, bring that stuff along. Um, and and they've always had the send as and and things like that. So you know, that's all in there. You can have all your uh, aliases and different email accounts and, and all that stuff in there. So like, do you like send on behalf of and, and all that? Yeah. So, uh, hopefully at some point they will get all that working again. I guess they've taken away some of that capability over the past couple of years while they've been, uh, working through all this. So who knows? Maybe it'll, maybe it'll acquiesce back into the system. Yeah. It comes and it goes someday. It'll be back. Who knows? Someday. Um, all right. So I don't really have a good way to segue into this. So I figured, <laughs> what I else know. is new? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <clears throat> um, so you want to talk about something that's cool today, Scott? Uh, something that's cool today. Have we not been talking about cool things already? Well, you know, like Office 365 plan options. Uh, have you been reading the service description again? Yeah. Do, actually, you know what's funny? Um, little sidebar, but, uh, they're all sidebars. <laughs> Who am I kidding? Uh, <laughs> um, I was talking with a, a buddy of mine who, who was working on a, uh, office 365 project and he was, he was confused. He was like, you know, I just, I don't get it. Why is it, uh, this client doesn't understand, um, you know, the differences between office 365 plans. And I, I kind of, I stopped and I said, uh, have you gone through the service descriptions with them and actually discussed, you know, what the limitations are between the different service plans and what you can and can't do between on-premises and in the cloud. And I got this like blank stare and I was just like, huh? And mind you, this isn't somebody I work with. This is just happened to be out coffee, hanging out. And I think it's one of those where a lot of folks just don't realize uh, the service description exists. And so, yeah, you, you, you live by the service description, you die by the service description. Yeah. Um, at least for <laughs> uh, the majority of this stuff. But uh, yeah, I run into this quite a bit too. Um, you know, somebody else come and say, uh, does, does, uh, uh, you know, does, does our tenant have um, Visio services? And you're like, um, well, let's see, we have a bunch of mixed SKUs out there, right? We have E1s and E3s, and I think we have some of these K1s, and we have these other things. Uh, well, let me go and tell you which SKU, and depending on which user and which SKU they're in, uh, what capabilities they may or may not have. And then you can send them a nice link to um, you know, the TechNet stuff, which is all there and all spelled out, uh, and surprisingly kept up to date, too. Yeah, uh, that's, that's the thing, is... Uh already there so it, it cracks me up when folks aren't actually reading the document that is there so <sighs> silly users right yeah so um plan options are always uh yeah they're a little bit weird right um you know uh who was it uh Sharegate, right those guys are always putting the uh the infographics together mm-hmm uh, and they put one together for, you know, here's what's in, uh, office 365, right. Um, you know, like what they call it, um, 
you think you know what's in Office 365. Uh, and the first version of that graphic, they actually left Yammer off it, which I thought was highly appropriate because, um, as we all know, uh, Yammer deserves to die and never come back uh, because it's really bad. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they, uh, so they, so they put this thing together. Um, and I, I don't know. Have you, have you seen this one? Uh, I, I've seen that uh, pop up in my feeds a couple different times and I've seen, you know, Benjamin, uh, doing more advertising for me on all different websites. So I have not actually read it. So let's, let's open it up. Go into it, sir. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's just another one of those like pie wheel chart things. Um, but you know, you brought up the service descriptions and plan options and things like that. So I look at something like this, uh, and this is actually, um, uh, not a true representation of what you get, right? Um, because I can have, uh, with the mix and match and, and especially being able to do like sub skews of, of the main enterprise packs, um, particularly for like the E1s, E3s, E5s, um, and E4s, if you still have those and haven't been upgraded yet, um, you know, you can go in and I can assign someone an E3, but maybe I'm an E3 subscriber and I only use, uh, SharePoint and Skype. I don't actually use Exchange Online, right? <laughs> uh, you know, I've, ne I've never configured that or I don't use it. Or maybe I'm just a SharePoint subscriber and maybe I just do like a P1 or a P2. Uh, or maybe I'm just an Exchange Online subscriber and things like that. So, uh, you know, I, I wish for something like this, they had actually linked down to the service description and said, uh, hey, here's all the actual options and the mix and match that you get with this. Because you get this nice picture that pops up and, <clears throat> you know, uh, you go, oh, gee, that's great. I actually get all that stuff. And it's like, no, you don't actually get all that stuff. You get what you turn on and you get what you pay for. Um, and those are two very different things, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, looking at this. Ah, yes. Marketing at its best. Um, <laughs> I, yeah. Mm, yeah. I, I don't, yeah. <sighs> Guide, I mean, the pinwheel is nice and all, but. Again, like you said, if, if you're not paying for it, you're not going to get it necessarily. And uh, I mean, it, it makes for a pretty picture, right? But, it, you know, uh, uh, I see things like this pop up occasionally where somebody will say, uh, you know, how do I do, uh, you know, this thing or that thing? Um, or, uh, you know, here, here's one, right? So uh, how do I control those, uh, you know, who gets Yammer emails and things like that? And it's like, well, oh, okay, those are ETRs. So you just go into Exchange and you, and you do that. Well, I'm not actually using Exchange online, but I'm still paying for an E3. And it's like, well, great. So it's because you haven't configured all that and you're not using it, you can't use that feature. You can't do that thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, or how do you manage this? Oh, you just manage it with, um, uh, what was the other one I saw the other day? Oh, um, you know, how do I automate uh, setting my user photos in Office 365? Um, and there's actually a piece of PowerShell uh, that does that for you, right? There, mm -hmm. There's actually like a set user photo commandlet now, um, but it's part of Exchange Online. So if you want to set your user photo for SharePoint, um, you actually, and you want to automate it through like the built-in tooling, uh, you actually have to be using Exchange Online to make that happen. And if you're not using Exchange Online, uh, well, then you've got to find some other way to do it. You got to go out to PMP and do like a profile sync or, or something like that to, to get all that data up there. So it, it becomes really, uh, murky when, when, when people start doing some of that mix and match functionality that's available in there. 
Yeah, I think so. My when I see things like this, though, I think my frustration is when the language around it is loose. So the office graphic, I think it's great. They intro it. They say to help you wrap your head around all of it. I've put together a quick infographic to guide you to Office 365. Awesome. That's fantastic because visualizations, if I look at the service description, ugh, just a lot of text. Good grief. Um, caveat, when you start looking, scrolling into this, you look at it and there's the line in here about Skype for business originally called link, uh, blah, 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 blah. <clears throat> Great for PowerPoint presentations to people, not at the office with you online meetings as well as regular phone calls. Hmm. Regular phone calls. Remind me which, which SKU does that require Scott? <laughs> uh, E5 well, plus E5 uh, plus. Is that what we want to call it? Well, n- no, Dan, um, that requires, uh, an E3 or an E5. Uh, it would be an E5 plus, or it would be an E3 with the PSTN add on. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Uh, wait, did we just confuse everybody there again? Yeah, us too. Don't worry. It happens. <laughs> uh, um, and please, nobody try and go out and find information on those specific uh, PSTN add-ons because there is no information that exists on them anyplace. It's not in the service description. It is not on office.com. Uh, you actually have to sign up for the add-on to get the information about it. Pretty cool. Awesome. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> I think it's, I mean, overall, I like the fact they visualize it and help people see it. But the flip side, uh, you know, say say the truth. Don't. Uh, okay, so I guess from the perspective of someone that knows nothing about SharePoint and Office 365, maybe this is good. But for those of us that are hardcore techies, it would be nice if they actually structured the language a little bit uh, more craftfully. <laughs> uh yeah no oh, 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 always fun so yeah. i guess i guess we're not uh, so, so i mean you brought all this stuff up right i i kind of made us go down this rabbit hole of let's look at an infographic but you mentioned plan options right so the this stuff is all spelled out mm-hmm. um, but people do have to be willing to dive into the disservice description or spreadsheets or things like that or um in some cases build your own um i know i've built out a couple versions of my own um you know over uh, over time because uh you know the visualization sometimes looking at a table on technet gets a little blurry so it's nice to have uh color coding and things like that and they actually do have a nice um a nice spreadsheet that they let you download with uh pivot table and everything like that um but you can't do multiple filters on the pivot so it gets a little little hairy in that one sometimes too mm. yeah yeah. So I guess, you know, kind of the, the reminder, um, if you have a client that is interested in Office 365 and they want to know the differences, um, yes, you can let them read the high-level ShareGate article. Um, you're welcome, Benjamin, uh, to have a better idea and sense of everything that's there in a nice, pretty picture. But if they really do want to commit and they don't want to pull out a year from now going, hey, we didn't know that, uh, you know, go and spend some time, dive into those, uh, service descriptions and go line for line and go, Oh, I didn't know that you could only send uh, 50 megabyte attachments to 2,500 people or whatever the actual limits and boundaries are because those probably changed overnight as well. Um, but you know, <laughs> spend some, spend some time actually getting to know your service. Although, I mean, it's like buying a car. You're not going to go in, maybe you will, uh, but you're not going to go in and be like, Oh, I thought this car got 300 miles to the gallon. And it's like, well, did you read the actual service description of your car, the tech spec? Oh, no. Why would I do that? It's the same deal. Like, 
go read the label. Yeah, it, it's like buying a car, so that automatically gets upgraded. Um, and and not something like a software update with like a Tesla or whatever, right? It's not like you're getting a new OS. Um, it's almost like you went in and bought a car with three wheels, and then overnight it has five wheels. Um, because, hey, we, we took Office 365, and we added this brand new thing called Sway, and then we added this brand new thing called Planner, right? You actually end up with these like wholesale new bolt-on things and they're not even like really bolt-ons they become integrated in over time so uh it's it's a a little hairy sometimes to figure some of that stuff out and and keep up with it but um you know there are resources out there yeah or apparently you can just buy dana coffee and he'll recite the service description to you gotta do what you gotta do man (laughs) why does one keep asking me to sign in go away (laughs) uh so hopping on to a couple other items um not uh not a whole lot in the office world this week it seems like uh, ever since chris johnson left the team that uh, the cadence and awesomeness just isn't isn't quite the same um I mean, they are doing some pretty darn cool things, but I, I wish, you know, Chris was still there uh, leading the charge. Um, <clears throat> anyway, uh, in other news, um, Microsoft Build Conference is coming up. Uh, you going after that this year? Uh, I am not going to build, right? Because it sold out in 30 seconds, so kind of tough to get into. <laughs> Which is surprising because they stated there's not going to be hardware this year. Yeah, no giveaways. But, uh, you know, Build is still relatively small just from the amount of people that they kind of ingest, right, and and take in. It's capped at, what, like 2,000 or 3,000 folks. It's not, you know, a a 20,000-person conference. So that's like one room at Moscone? Yeah. uh, You you know, I wouldn't know. I actually had a ticket to Build last year, uh, and I had to return it at the last minute. Uh, some, Some stuff prevented me from going, and... So I, I've never seen it. Maybe you have. I don't know. No, I uh, I know some friends of mine are going. Um, I am not going to build. So I have my eyes set on Ignite, um, but I also have my eyes set on the Atlanta Braves going to the World Series. So <laughs> uh, yeah, let's do Ignite. That one sounds like fun. Agreed. Agreed. Um, so the Ignite conference for anybody that's curious is coming up on uh, September. I think end of September. Um, so that will be taking place up in or down in Hotlanta. Um, so for those of you looking to, uh, sign up, that is still available. Uh, registration opened, I think at the beginning of the month. And for anyone that had pre-registered back, uh, when they announced the venue change, um, I think they had like a early bird special. Does that ring a bell? Uh, yeah, I got an email, uh, the other day actually telling me to go and sign up again. So, uh, Microsoft Ignite is September 26th to the 30th, like you said, Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, and yeah, I, I mean, it's all sitting out there and getting ready to go. I've seen a couple websites that even track the hotels and things like that, right? Uh, mm-hmm. which ones are selling out and which ones are still available and all that stuff. So, um, if anybody's interested in the big Microsoft show, uh, that's certainly out there and available. And there's still all the other uh, smaller shows going on around it. Yeah. So speaking of smaller shows, uh, this week, 
SP TechCon Austin wrapped up, um, and I think that finished up on Thursday. Does that sound right? Um, I know they look like a decent crowd, look like a ton of folks out there in Austin. Um, you know, David Rubenstein and company weren't uh, trying to give people big heads, uh, the speakers that is, but what did they do? They gave them gigantic cutout heads of themselves. So uh, kind of entertaining to see that kind of pop up across social media. Um, oddly enough, Usually they host their uh, SP TechCon Boston in the fall. Uh, it looks like it's actually going to be in June this year so that it doesn't conflict with uh, Ignite. So I thought that was smart of them. Um, that's taken place, I think, the last week of June, right before it's the week of July 4th or the week before July 4th. So that's taking place up in Boston. Um, a couple other shows going on. Uh, you're speaking. I think we talked about this last time at the dev intersection conference in April. Um, there's also the SharePoint fest DC going on in April. And I think next month, which seems right around the corner because it is, uh, in March, the DC it pro camp is going to be going on up at Chevy chase. So look out for some Twitter traffic for that. And, Mm. Yeah, uh, so we also have a Dev Intersection, right, which is one of the overflows for Build, uh, and that's down in Orlando, Florida. That's in April, uh, and uh, I've been working with some folks here in Jacksonville. We're actually going to put on uh, the first uh, Azure Global Boot Camp uh, in oh, yeah, Jacksonville yeah, yeah. as well. Um, so that's April 16th, I believe. So, uh, first time we're going to have one in Jax. So I'm, I'm pretty excited to work through some of that stuff with, uh, community folks down here. That'll should be a really great event. Yeah. Awesome. We're, we're, uh, we're actually doing the same. Um, if you look at the map of the global Azure bootcamp, it's kind of funny because it has like this gap of, uh, between Richmond and I think Philly, and so a couple of us are trying to put together something for uh, an event out in Reston, an event in Chevy Chase, and potentially an event up in Baltimore so that we can, you know, try host, try host tournament um, of events in the D.C. metro. Yeah, if you're going to put those together, um, just a, a heads up, right, because you're talking about organizing them, I assume. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to, to be listed on the Azure Global Bootcamp uh, global site, you need to have all your stuff in by March 4th yep. uh, and ready to go. So, uh, you know, so today is what, uh, February 27th. So you should, uh, just keep that in the back of your head, yep. uh, as you're going forward through some of this stuff. Um, you know, so you actually made me remember something. So you mentioned, uh, SP TechCon Austin mm-hmm. and, uh, one of the keynotes down there, was kind of a modern workplace productivity keynote. Uh, and the person delivering it was uh, Seth Patton yep. uh, from Microsoft, right? Um, did you see the the write-up that they did um, of this keynote? Because when they were going through and they were actually doing it, so uh, I happened to see the tweets going by on Twitter and things like that. And I guess for everybody that was in the room at the time, um, they actually called out and said, hey, we're going to show you some stuff that's under NDA, so please don't tweet it out. Um, but then, um, you know, of course, after the conference, everybody went and wrote their articles and <laughs> and things like that on it. So uh, did you see this article about uh, groups, uh, Office 365 groups and team sites? Uh, basically the fact that every team site will have a group. <laughs> and every group will have a team site. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, that, yeah. that, that makes that makes sense, and that helps out a lot from that user experience management perspective where we'd go, hey, uh, why is it we can't create a team site in this location through the UI? And you'd go in and PowerShell, and you'd be like, huh, if I do a get SP site, there's nothing that sits in that site path. Why is it not allowing me to create a site there? So now that's that's neat to see they're actually doing that. So yeah, it's, it's pretty cool, right? But we still haven't seen the integration with uh, groups for Yammer. Uh, and what's going to go on there. Like, mm. is every Office 365 group going to get a Yammer group? Uh, and the other thing that's kind of concerning when you see something like this is you think about the functionality that groups exposes, like every group getting an email address, right? Well, that happened by default anyway. It, it, it does, but every team site doesn't get an email address. Well, about that. <laughs> so if, if you know, something like this actually comes to fruition, so say I have a, a SharePoint Online site, right? I, I have a site collection, and I have 100,000 sites in there, because I can totally do that, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's within the boundaries and limits. Um, and all of a sudden, they turn this on, and retroactively, I have 100,000 new email addresses in my gal. <laughs> that's a little weird. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yes, it is. Uh, so, so they're probably going to need some more administrative controls around this stuff. Uh, or I hope they think through some of these things. Like, I hope this isn't one of those, uh, you know, we're going to turn this on and then we're going to do the administrative controls later, uh, which they've been doing a lot lately, right? And they've had to dial back. So uh, what, what actually just got, oh, uh, Praise and Delve, right? So they turned it on, and then uh, you know, lots of people were like, what the heck is this? And how do we control it, and what goes on? And they're like, oh, we don't have any controls, so we're just going to turn it off um, until we have some. Thanks, guys. Uh, so you know, I can think of some pretty messy things for this. Yeah, I think, I mean, yeah. I don't know, Scott. I think the people wanted it. They just had to do it. <laughs> Uh, you, you know what? I think it's time that I just uh, divest from the SharePoint Online stuff and find somebody else to give that to. And I'll focus on uh, what's a good part of the stack, Sway? Uh, you know, I've been I've been a huge fan of Exchange Online. It's just, it's dependable, it's easy. And, oh, wait, what, are this, what the heck? This is a new type of user object? Why are they changing my user objects? Darn it. <sighs> yeah. Every day they're shuffling. So maybe you just want to stick with Azure Active Directory because that's dependable. Mm, yes, it is for now. Yeah, tends to be a few things, um, and we would hope it is right since it's kind of like the underpinning layer for all this stuff. But yeah, I, I guess so. Back to that little bit about the uh, you know every group will have a team site. So in the article we're posting up in the show notes, uh, it is written by Dave Rubenstein, um, who is the conference organizer of or the conference chair of SP TechCon. Uh, so the article was posted up on February 24th at 10.52 or 10.50 a.m., 52 seconds for anybody watching at home. And one, two, three, four, fifth paragraph down, attendees were pleased to hear that going forward, every group will have a team site and every team site will have a group. Further, the group homepage will be a team site. It's making SharePoint the front end of the user experience. Um, I, I wonder, you know, like you mentioned, and I think it was, I saw some of the tweets too, where it was like, okay, we're not allowed to tweet about this. And I was like, what? That's strange. Huh? Never heard about that in a conference. Um, so I, I guess it's cool that Dave and company got permission to post that up on their site and make it available for those of us that weren't there to share the news. 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah not that. I mean, this is going to be a weird one if they actually do it, right? So I can think of uh, it. Just imagine the scenario. So I go into Outlook <clears throat> and I go into people and I create a new, or I'm actually in the Outlook client and I create a new group. And uh, how is that, like, how does that get surfaced in the Outlook client? Because they're saying it's an actual team site, right? So I assume team site with web parts that I can take on and off the page and move things around and uh, blah, 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 and customize and give it a logo and yeah. it gets its own navigation and it has global navigation and it has quick launch navigation and all that stuff, right? Yep. Where it's very nice and, um, you know, it's constrained today, uh, but the way it's constrained is actually great because you understand the functionality that you're going to be given. Um, you know, it's spelled out pretty clearly. When I create a group, I get this, this, and this. And it, it all works and it does what it's supposed to do. I can't wait to have somebody, you know, open a, a service desk ticket at work, you know. Hey, I created my group and I moved a web part around on the page and now my whole group's corrupt. <laughs> Uh, what? <laughs> you did. Who? <laughs> Why did you do that? You weren't supposed to do that. Well, there was a button that said move web part. Oh, you weren't supposed to actually click that button. They never took it out of the UI. <laughs> it's like the site collection administrator that goes and turns on a feature because they think it's cool. And then they go back to their default ASPX page and go, it changed. It's like, yes, yes, it did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know how that happened, but it okay. did. <laughs> um, so, uh, <laughs> Two, I guess, uh, one other, um, one other event to uh, make mention of. You know, I mentioned the SP TechCon piece. <laughs> um, so SPSDC, SharePoint Saturday DC. Uh, we are looking at having an event on August thirtieth, or excuse me, April thirtieth. Um, it's going to be the first event that we are going to be doing, probably not at a Microsoft facility. Uh, due to the fact that the Nova Code Camp is going on on April 30th at Reston. And, and if I'm breaking that news, my apologies, but that's what I happen to hear through gra the grapevine. <laughs> um, and then uh, apparently there's other stuff going on in Chevy Chase that day. Uh, don't know what, but when we reached out and said, hey, can we use your facility? They said, oh, sorry, we're, we're already in use. I was like, oh, crap. Uh, and then to make things even more fun, April 30th, dun, 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 sequel Saturday, Baltimore. Sweet. You're going to have some competition. Yeah, I know. It's going to be great. Um, uh, so that is, uh, you know, all taking place on, again, the Tri-Hosts uh, tournament on April 30th. Um, we are also finally rebooting Rest and Spug. Ooh. I know. Yeah, I, I saw that the other day. You had a new uh, meeting go up in there. Yeah, so uh, Manny Agrinja, I think his name is, Agrinja, uh, from RDA Corporation is going to be coming down and speaking on March 7th about modern UI. Uh, and then Prashant Boyer is going to be in in April um, for something. We're not quite certain what, uh, but he is going to be speaking for us uh, then as well. Um, the other kind of sad news, um, I don't know if you saw this, but we got a note as folks that had submitted to speak at uh, SharePoint Saturday Philly. Um, they're calling the event off this year. So, mm, no, I didn't submit to that one this year. So yeah, kind of sad. Yeah. It's a little let down. Um, Mike McCullion sent out a note to everybody that had submitted said, you know, Hey, just want to let you know, we're not going to do the event. We you know, sincerely apologize. Um, we just, uh, 
based on time and based on, you know, it does, it does require time to put these events together, especially for those of us that this is not our full time thing. Um, and they just, they didn't think they were going to be able to make it happen at the level of, uh, you know, they weren't going to meet their acceptance criteria. So they decided to cancel it and push it forward to next year. So is what it is. Um, kind of stinks, but hopefully SharePoint will still be around. Yeah, well, uh, it sounds like everybody can hop on a train and come down to D.C. And yeah. get the uh, equivalent experience, right? Yep. And that'll be good. Quite true. Um, so I know we had some follow-up from uh, John Bachtool. Uh Yeah, do we have time? Uh, we, we've always got time for John. How about five minutes for him? All right, you got it. Uh, what do you want to chat about? Uh... Mobile applications. So the feedback we got was some scenarios that uh, typically pop up is C-level executives don't really want to log into computers at times, and they want a mobile experience of data from the portal. Um, mm. What are your thoughts there? <laughs> uh, that's true. Uh, <laughs> very often, it's not just your executives that expect that mobile experience. It's your users, right? Yep. Uh, maybe you host your intranet or a particular uh, line of business application that's been built on top of um, SharePoint, whether it's like an on-prem system that you expose to the outside world uh, or SharePoint Online or something else, uh, you know, people have that expectation that they're going to be able to uh, get to, at a minimum, uh, that data. Maybe not the look and feel exactly and all that stuff, but at least the data that resides within that system, right? Yeah, and, you know... It's funny you mention that. I know five years ago when we were building a portal, uh, a lot of folks were very, very interested in having a mobile view of the information, um, mostly at that sea level. But like you say, uh, kids that are graduating, folks that have started living on their mobile phone instead of carrying a PC around with them or an iPad with a keyboard, um, they really just have this expectation that uh, they're going to be able to you know, get the information they need pushed to them, surfaced to them. Um, without having to go dancing through, you know, logging in, doing all this other junk. Yeah. Um, you know, so you got a couple options for SharePoint, right? I, I think the question was really, uh, what, are, what are the options or uh, what do you do, right? So maybe the root of the question was, um, do, do you actually need to develop things? Like, do you need to make a custom mobile app? Uh, or, you know, how do people get at those resources? So. Uh, you know, I think out of the box, uh, SharePoint Online and, and SharePoint 2013 and uh, SharePoint 2016 as well, um, when that comes out, they, they do offer mobile views, right? So when you sign into those sites, you can get uh, views of the, the lists and libraries and things like that. And you can interact with, uh, you know, the stuff on the page and, and, and what's going on. And that, that's fine for some things, but uh, admittedly, pretty janky, right? Uh, to, to get all technical on it for a second. Um, so that, that, that's not great. Uh, the, the other thing you can always do, um, you know, depending on what your solution is, if it's, uh, say like a publishing site or something like that, uh, you, you do have control with a design manager over master pages and things like that. So if you wanted to, you could go down the customize customization path of making something like a responsive master page. Um, 
And that tends to work a little bit better for SharePoint on-prem where you have some more of, uh, you know, control and things like that over your master pages. Uh, and there's also a capability which uh, admittedly not the greatest thing in the world, uh, but it does serve this purpose. Uh, this is why device channels were built, right? Um, and being able to surface different master pages based on a user agent uh, that comes into the site. So for something on SharePoint Online where you've always got the sweep bar changing and CSS changing and things like that, you might not want to go as far as like just having a single responsive master, but you know, maybe it's acceptable to uh, maintain two masters, just the, the regular one that you're doing your stuff in and one for uh, the mobile side of the house with a device channel. Yep. Uh, or you can certainly, you know, I would think for uh, for applications and things like that, uh, you, you know, you, you've got a couple different options and, and, and stuff that goes into that. So um, it turns out that a lot of the... Uh, a, a lot of the systems and the way things are surfaced in the web browser anyway for like SharePoint Online, uh, everything's pretty responsive as is. So if you look at something like maybe I built out a, <clears throat> a document solution, right? So uh, maybe I have like a, a, a form in Word or, uh, you know, I just have a, a, a document that you have to fill out for like meeting minutes or status reports or things like that, right? Um so through content types and things like Word Online, you know, you can actually send people to that website. They'll get the out-of-the-box responsive view. Uh, they'll go ahead and they'll say new document, and that new document will be uh, new meeting minutes, right? And they'll click that. They'll go straight into Word Online. That's already a responsive experience. They click, click, click. Um, it auto-saves, and it's all there. Um, and then their workflows continue to run in the background and, and all that other stuff. Um, so again, we're still in like out-of-the-box territory, right? Uh, we've also got power apps, which are coming out. Uh, so power apps are going to be these, uh, kind of like mobile surfaced, uh, web views. Uh, those will be pretty nifty from, at least from the demos that I've seen of them today. Uh, they look like they might, uh, fill some of that, like not even power user gap. I think that's where they're <clears throat> certainly where they're being targeted, but, uh, you, you know, I think they can be a pretty powerful tool with, uh, you know, the right mindset walking into it or, Heck, you can just build your own mobile apps, right? There's uh, things like uh, the Graph API. Uh, you've got RESTful services in uh, SharePoint Online. You've got RESTful services for SharePoint on-prem. Uh, you know, if you have that uh, expertise in-house, uh, it, it's not too far-fetched to say, um, let's build a, a mobile app. And when you think about integrating with something like SharePoint Online, which, again, leverages Azure AD, right? For authentication, uh, there are SDKs to be able to surface that in iOS and Android. Uh, you can do custom Node apps, things like that. Uh, you can do it just with with JavaScript, right? Just like the ADAL uh, JS stuff, and and be able to get all your login tokens and control those flows and uh, kind of standardize it and have it ready to go across the board. So, have you uh, have you played with any third party apps out there for mobility? Uh, you, you know, I, I've used some of the uh, some of like the briefcase kind of apps like Caligo, right? Mm -hmm. um, so doing some of that offline sync things. Um, uh, for like offline document access for like OneDrive for business and things like that, uh, the new OneDrive app is excellent. Uh, so are the uh, the Word suite, or not the Word suite, the Office suite for things like iOS. Um, so, you, you know, you have Word and Excel and you can actually go op like into the open dialogues and you can browse straight into your OneDrive or you can browse straight into a SharePoint site. 
um, and you just click the button and you open it up and boom, there's your document, full fidelity and uh, sometimes even more stable, right? Like Word on my iPad tends to run a little bit better than Word on my Mac sometimes uh, for like crashes and, and things like that. It doesn't seem to have all like the race conditions. Uh, so again, if you're doing document stuff, there, there's plenty of apps out there. Um, you know, there's there's a couple different companies that do uh, offline form solutions. Uh, so you've got companies like uh, Nintex and, and K2 and things like that that are doing uh, things in that space. Um, there's also companies that uh, was when I saw uh, this week uh, Pronto Forms. Um, you know, which has connectors for SharePoint and Office 365 and, and all these kinds of things. So uh, it really depends on where you want to go and what you consider a mobile solution to be, right? Is a mobile solution surfacing uh, publishing pages and like dynamic content on a website? Is a mobile solution being able to access my documents? Uh, is a mobile solution being able to interact with list data? Uh, is a mobile solution being able to interact maybe with list data or documents that uh, have dependencies on workflows or some other thing, right? Uh, you can kind of go all over the place with it. Yeah, I think uh, probably the key to all this is defining what it is you want to do for mobility. Because um, like you said, out of the box, you've got, I mean, SharePoint 2013, SharePoint Online's got those three different views that you can use, or if you need to augment it, supplement it using uh, different apps or using uh, different APIs, they're, they're there for you. Um, the, so you mentioned the bit about, uh, I guess, word having, um, you know, the ability to uh, open up directly, uh, you know, something from your OneDrive. Um, apparently they added this week, the ability to support box. Mm hmm. Yep. That, so. That's so you've got uh, Dropbox box. Uh, you can open up from OneDrive consumer. You've got a connector for OneDrive for business. You yep. can open up from SharePoint online sites. Mm -hmm. You can also open up from uh, on-prem SharePoint sites if you've exposed those to the outside world right through a proxy or something else. Uh, you can also open up documents like if you're using like the Outlook iOS app. Uh, you can just click on a Word document and boom, it just pops you right over there. Um, and then you can use like the iOS share sheets and send it back someplace else. So, uh, it, you know, it really is dependent on that solution and, and what the requirements around it are. Yep. So, um, and, and very often it's going to be a bunch of different things, right? It's not going to be, uh, you know, I don't think it's going to be one solution to rule them all. Like it's pretty easy to say you're on a desktop, go to your web browser, browse here, do right, this. Right. Um, it, it might turn into, well, uh, now you're trying to do this very targeted thing. Um, so, so go here to do this. Uh, and, uh, you know, there, there's a bunch of different ways to surface that functionality to your users. Uh, you've got like your My Apps portal in Azure AD, right? So if you're surfacing like single page applications or something like that that are responsive, um, just throw a tile into Azure AD. Uh, and then people can use uh, the My Apps app or they can use the My Apps portal and get to it that way. Uh, if you're an Azure AD uh, premium subscriber and, or like EMS and you're doing Intune or something like that, you get the full-blown uh, company portal. Uh, so again, mobile app or surface things up that way. So, uh, you know, you even have a lot of control, not just over um, what's kind of the backend or end game functionality you surface, but over the entry points and everything else and how users get in there and they have that first interaction with the system. Yep. 
And I guess, you know, kind of the thing to realize through all this is as developers and IT pros, um, we still have user stories that we still have to fulfill. And it's not like Office 365 is doing all the work for us. We still have to go out and build the solution around it and make use of it. Whether that be using a third-party app, whether that be writing APIs, whether that be, or not writing APIs, but writing and pulling from an API, or, you know, in that use case where someone says, hey, I do want to take documents on the go with me. Okay, I'm probably not going to write an app for that. That's probably already a use case that's already done. Um, but making use of all those pieces, uh, it's still something that we on the outside have to do that Microsoft is not doing for us. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, you can build it, you can buy it. <laughs> right. uh, there, there's a lot of companies that play in this uh, space, right? And and kind of doing the uh, the, the mobile worker enablement thing. So if you're in an on-prem system, uh, you've got, uh, uh, what's the Manassas company? Uh, mobile Entree, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, so they do a lot of this stuff. Uh, you know, in, go ahead, buy this product, install this feature, turn it on, and, and boom, your users browse your site. And guess what? It's all uh, mobile enabled. <laughs> it just works. The thing, with, uh, the thing with them is, again, the use case, the mobile enablement piece you know, it's not, hey, I want to take documents offline with me. It's, I want to present my users with a, a strict UI that I've built out. And I don't feel like dealing with device channels. And, you know, again, goes back to what the requirement is and what the user story is and go from there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you, you know, basically, uh, good luck, but uh, certainly start <laughs> slow uh, and try and, I mean, you really, you do have to understand all these things that are out there, right? Um, and I think one of the other things that, uh, I, I tend to see this a lot too, uh, with, uh, you know, kind of approaching SharePoint development and things like that. We tend to get pretty rigid and we say, you know, these are the requirements and there's only one way to execute them. Uh, and I think with things like SharePoint and kind of, you know, all these different options, usually there's going to be, uh, two or three or four or five different ways to do it. Right. Uh, so if there are a couple ways to do it, certainly take the time and uh, uh, go through those kind of proof of concepts with a, a couple different solutions and find out which one's actually going to work, right? It, it doesn't need to be this rigid, uh, you know, if, if you're building a product for a company, sure. But if this is kind of an internal line of business thing, um, I think you do yourself a lot of favors if you take the time to... Uh, do proofs of concepts with multiple solutions and things like that and find out what's actually going to work for your users. Yeah. Maybe, maybe talk to the users, include them in the conversation. Uh, that, that's always nice, right? <laughs> uh, it's, it's good not to build things in a vacuum. If you can, uh, you know, execute that within your organization, it, it, it's always fun. Just, just throwing that out there, you know, 